0: Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Carrie Clack,
1: columnist, editorial board.
3: Nancy Prayer Johnson, associate
2: editorial board editor. Megan Stringer, city hall reporter.
0: Recording this on the morning of Monday, um, November 14th. Last Thursday, within the span of a few hours, you had city council um, censuring one of its council members, Mario Bravo. Um, and th- another council member, Clayton Perry, uh, having a, a warrant for his arrest uh, issued, and he turned himself in uh, over a hit and run uh, incident that ha- had happened four days before that. Uh, I'm not sure that we've we've had a day like like last Thursday at City Council in my memory. Uh, and Megan, you've been you were on top of all of this. Um, I, we, you know, we'll t- we'll take these two stories uh, separately but I wanted to start with Clayton Perry because I think this is you know, this is a a story that's really shocked a lot of people and The City Council is going to be taking action on this But I think by the time people listen to this podcast They will know what the the council action is and I'm I'm guessing that the council will take action against him uh, later today Um, Can you talk a little bit about what happened the 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 hit-and-run incident involving Clayton Perry and what the council is preparing to do?
2: Yeah, so um, the allegations laid out in the affidavit, the police report, the body camera footage that we've seen so far are that Councilman Perry um, was was drinking that night, um, supposedly, and he um, was caught through the Bill Miller um, drive through on Thousand Oaks on the northeast side and um, kind of made a, a bit of a scene there to the point where the manager called the police and said, um, this man is going to be, you know, driving drunk tonight. And, um, You know, a few minutes later around the corner, um, there was a crash and, um, you know, allegedly Perry had fled the scene of the crash and police found him um, laying on the ground in his backyard and um, questioned him there. For a while, so um, we've um, all seen the police body camera footage by now, and the city council vote this afternoon is to collectively call for uh, Clayton Perry's resignation. And uh, we've had we've seen some individual people call for his resignation, but this is more of a formal. Official action from the entire body saying that this is how they feel it's best if he resign and also to issue a vote of no confidence
0: Yeah, and I think that one thing is we'll talk a little bit more about the Mario Bravo situation But I mean the thing that I noticed the 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 distinction I noticed in the language is that call for resignation with Mario Bravo It was censure vote and voted no confidence I, I think it was more of a symbolic action saying, you know We disapprove of your of your recent action, but this is really saying there's not a place for you Clayton Perry on the city Council right?
2: it is yes um it is still somewhat symbolic though in the sense that they can only ask councilman Perry to resign um, they can't you know remove him from office um, this is just them sending the message that we we really think that you should not be on City Council right now
0: um Carrie when you know I think we were all uh, everybody's shocked by by the story and and I think anyone who saw the body cam, uh, footage where the officer is trying, I think, repeatedly to to get a, a sense from him about what happened. Uh, he's denying that he was driving a car. He's uh, kind of deflecting questions about whether he was drinking or not. Um, you know, what was your first reaction when you when you saw that, and and when you first heard the story? Well, when you first hear the story,
1: it doesn't compare to what once you first start reading the details provided mm-hmm. by Megan, and and then you see the video. Yeah. Um, it is hard not to feel some sympathy mm-hmm. for for the councilman, but then when you realize what 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 he could have done, and uh, we we need to salute all the folks who did things right in this the, the 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 Bill Miller employee, the the witness who followed Perry to his home, the police officer who you know handled it as gently and as well as you 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 can, and you you with the right amount of skepticism of what the councilman was telling him. But uh, it, I I can't think of a, well, I guess I can't think of a more recent video, but when you talk about one day to rock the council, as last Thursday did, the only one that comes to mind is whatever year that was when we I had two about. councilmen arrested, arrested yeah, yeah, by yeah.
0: the FBI. And that yeah, it was around 2003, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, and, and I, I'm i glad you pointed out. I think these the people who you know who I think were really important to the story. The the you know if they had not had the Bill Miller the call from the Bill Miller manager and the the plate number, so they were looking. They they, they knew what house to go to, and then you have this this witness going to the house too, and, and everything kind of getting connected in that way. But I think the the body cam footage. I'm, Nancy, I'm curious to hear what what you think about this. There was some. I think there were some questions early on, like, did they they go easy on him because he's a council member? Um, You know, they just let him stay at the house. He wasn't taken in. Um, And my my sense when I saw it was that the the, the police officer, he he knew what was going on. He knew this person had been drinking, or he strongly suspected. He strongly suspected at this point uh, that this was the same person involved in that accident. And he was pressing him on these things and basically calling him out for not telling him the truth. Um, But so I don't feel I I didn't feel he was going easy on him. But he you're right Kerry. He was he was gentle with him. He was not. uh, I mean, there was there was some sensitivity. I think he I think he had some sympathy for him. What what was your reaction when you saw it?
3: Yeah, I mean, you never know. Right. Um, I feel like he the the police officer was professional. I wonder if he knew who Perry was. That is one big question I had when I was watching it. But to me, it doesn't look like he knew. Um, from what I understand, police officers, ha- they are required to call a supervisor when they, they suspect or they just have any inclination if, um, if it's going to be a media, you know, quote, media um, case, right? So if media w- was going to report on it, then a supervisor would have to be called, is my understanding. Um, and he didn't do that. So obviously a city councilman, you know, with blood, I mean, his head was bloodied. I mean, Mm -hmm. that it was graphic. I felt um, even though I had read about it and, you know, heard about it, read about it. Uh, When I saw that video and saw how bloody his head was, I was a little taken aback. And, yeah, I did. I do feel for, you know, Councilman Perry. It was quite the crash as well. But I also feel like, you know, the people he he crashed with, my God, can you imagine how they felt as well? Um, I feel that the police officer was professional as well. Um, did what you know he was supposed to do with respect as well, and I mean that's what we should res- that's what we should expect from every police officer, and that is majority of what happens. Um, you know, of course, we hear the negative stories, right? And there are some bad apples out there, but this is the kind of work that police do here, day in, day out, every day. Um, they treat people with respect and um, you know hopefully that you know there's less and less negative stories but you know that body cam allowed us to to get a you know firsthand view of what happened as it happened mm-hmm. and um, you know I do applaud I know in our editorial where we did call for the resignation of, mm-hmm. of councilman Perry it is in today's printed paper it was online Friday um you know we you know we said these things and we also you um, we you know just to make sure that that all of these steps are being followed right and that they are doing the right thing but we we applauded the police officer Um, And and I think rightfully so. And I think that this kind of thing, like the body cam being released, the police department being transparent about it is what we applauded as well. This needs to keep happening with all these cases, because we need to see how the police officer did their job. You know, did they treat the person with respect? Did they ask the right questions? Did they, you know, um, did they follow up or not?
0: Megan, my sense was that, that the police officer was still waiting to talk to that witness um, and, and get some, some details from that witness who had followed him to the home. And then I guess, I I don't know if the, if the, uh, the information from the bill, Bill Miller, uh, if that officer had that, I mean, I'm I'm guessing that kind of went into the officer's decision to just basically let him go inside the house and not arrest him on the scene. Is that, was that the sense you got from that?
2: Yeah. So there are, there are a couple things. I think the first is that, um, from what we've heard from the police report, the affidavit and some, some sort of outside experts is that the officer couldn't, technically place Perry behind the wheel of the car. Um, There was a lot of time that passed between the accident when it was called in, I think shortly after 9 p.m., and then it was shortly after 10 p.m. by the time that we see the body camera footage taking place. And so is it is it likely we don't know. It Mm. it is possible that someone could have dropped Councilman Perry off at his home. He could have gone and, you know, someone had said had seven beers and then been in his backyard. So. There, so there are some people who are saying, you know, the officer did follow protocol and that he didn't have exact probable cause. He, You know, there, there are other things that could have happened. Um, one thing that we also know is that Officer Patrick DeRogers, the responding officer, is a safe officer at the north substation. Um, safe officers are community police officers. They work very closely with their city council offices. So... Um, that officer might not work specifically in Councilman Perry's neighborhood or districts, but he he would be the councilman, um, you know, one of the councilmen connected to the North Side substation with those safe officers. So there's a high likelihood that you know he works with the District 10 council office and would recognize Councilman Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we don't know for certain.
0: One of the things that really struck me when I was kind of looking at the 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 crash. Is uh, the councilman was on Jones Maltzberger was taking a right turn onto Redland Road and Redland Road has a, a, a median barricade and so and the person who uh, Who the, the car that he hit this was on in a left turn lane going from Redland Road onto onto Jones Maltzberger To to hit that car he had to go around uh, He basically had to go around a median into the wrong side of traffic and I was just thinking I mean we I've I when we first heard the story and there was a, 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 the, in the report there was a description of a wide turn and i thought i've taken some wide turns in my life you know i think i think everybody has taken turns where you maybe went a little wide and you thought well i got maybe i got a little closer to the to oncoming traffic than i should have this was extreme and um uh you know we know he's facing uh that that the the police department has has uh, sent a, a, uh, I guess a recommendation for a drunk driving uh charge to the district attorney's office and I mean the I think the evidence uh it, it, it's it, it's it's uh, an unusual case in that you're not going to have any I mean there's no sobriety test you're not really it's really going to be it's it's more uh I think what people observed about his behavior you know the, the 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 fact that people smelled alcohol in his breath that the fact that his behavior um struck people as as the, you know this is these were the actions of someone who was intoxicated but no no actual proof in 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 No physical proof.
2: Is that fair to say? Yeah, they couldn't place him behind the wheel. And um, one interesting detail that came out in the affidavit as well is that um, the affidavit actually makes it sound as if it was Perry's statement that he released on Wednesday to reporters that helped them connect him to the crash because Mm -hmm. he verified in his own statement Mm -hmm. I was in a car crash, even if he didn't say that details of the crash or this or whatever. But, but that was um, that statement actually helped police. You know, they, they said in the affidavit that it corroborated that he was involved in the crash. He was in the car.
3: I think it would be really difficult to do the DWI without the sobriety. I mean, without the yeah. the data, you know, to show yeah. um, without doing that. You know, they didn't do a sobriety test. Right. They also didn't take any kind of labs.
0: If he denies um, it, you know, yeah. he
3: could act, you know. <laughs> I mean, he could say he was on medication, he could say he was having a medical episode, there's so many things he could say, his lawyers could say, Um, and you know, different different medical conditions can mm-hmm. lead to bizarre behavior that way you just don't know and i believe his attorney would definitely yeah. say I, I imagine does he have an attorney i imagine mm-hmm. he does yes. yeah
0: one of the issues i had to was um him saying he didn't he had no memory of what happened and look the the um you know when someone suffers head trauma i mean this is a this is a mysterious thing i i was thinking about how um when, when Clayton perry first said that about how um, Troy Aikman, the Dallas Cowboy quarterback in 1993 suffered, um, uh, he was a concussion in, a, in a, an in NFC championship game. And I believe the Super Bowl was only a week later, which was unusual. And he played in that game, led the Cowboys to a victory. Um, and I, he later said he had no memory of that game at all. Um, probably should not have been playing so I mean these things are mysterious but I I'm gonna just say I'm very skeptical skeptical of these stories but I don't remember and I was thinking that I went back and watched Ted Kennedy's uh, speech in which he explained what happened to Chappaquiddick and said you know because he went 10 hours without reporting it and he was out and about and, and he's not reporting this and what is going on with this and I he said well, I don't understand why my own actions I don't really remember very clearly and um, I have a hard time. I have a hard time. I, 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 we don't know. Again, we don't but, know. But, you
1: know, one of the, that, going back to his statement, uh, something that for me at least affirms his uh, council colleagues called to ask him to resign is that he calls it a hassle. Now, supposedly mm-hmm. he makes makes this statement when he's sober. Mm, supposedly right. he knows what he's done, the damage exactly. he's done. And he can't come up with a stronger word for what's happening other than a hassle.
2: A lot of people on council are concerned about that statement and feel as if there's a lack of remorse shown for the people that um, in the car that he allegedly hit, the, the victim of the crash. And um, they're concerned about that, that lack of remorse and feel as if he wasn't stepping up and taking accountability. Um, and they understand there's maybe some legal implications It's, I think as we as we saw his statement did you know corroborate for police and mm-hmm. I think th- there's some understanding that you know maybe Perry was trying to be sensitive to those legal concerns and in releasing a statement
0: but. We, we know the car that he hit uh, the Honda Civic was damaged badly I, I have not heard anything about the, the condition of the people I'm, I'm assuming that there were no serious injuries is that that
2: that's my understanding there, yeah. there, were, there were no serious injuries yeah mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I want to shift to the Mario Bravo situation, which was a big story on City Council. But by uh, I think by by the time we reached Thursday, and and the council was going to take that censure vote, it was uh, you know it's it's it had been completely overshadowed by what was going on with Clayton Perry. Um, can you talk a little bit about what happened with Mario Bravo and uh, and why the council decided to censure him last week?
2: Yeah, so with Mario Bravo, there were, of course, as you reported, witnesses um, to the situation. But the um, the morning before the budget vote on September 15th, um, you know, Mario Bravo had essentially berated his, his colleague, Councilman Ana Sandoval, his former romantic partner, um, you know, near, near the council dais and had um, treated her um, on personal terms, very bitterly, you know, um, talking about their past relationship and referencing that in regard to her, um, you know, kind of refusal to support his, his budget proposal. Yeah.
0: So, um, there was, I guess it was an investigation into what happened. And I, when, they, when that was announced, I was thinking, well, there's probably not too much to investigate. I think you, may, you maybe had a couple of witnesses and this. I think, I don't know that he really, um, denied, you know, what he, he might have, there might have been some he, he might have disputed, you know, the, the exact wording of what he said, but I think that he, he he pretty much accepted that he had said that. And, and, and I think he's argued that there's a lot more in their personal history that maybe explains. It. And also that he was, as you said, unhappy with her her uh, her, her vote on the on the budget. Um, so with, with the council action last week, I, I noticed that he had his parents and his his romantic partner, his current romantic partner uh, kind of speaking up for him. He didn't speak at the council. Uh, and and it, it, I don't think there was really much discussion beyond the citizens who, who, who came up to speak. Uh, it was once once that was out of the way, the council voted quickly. And um, uh, I think he uh, he didn't vote, but everybody else who was there voted to, to censure him. Is that right?
2: Correct. Yes. Yeah. Most of the comment was coming from the public, his family, friends, supporters. Um, you know, we didn't hear a lot of public comments um, coming and. And saying, "Yeah, please censure him." We d- we did hear from some people who said, "You know, his behavior is unacceptable." But we are worried about our representation on city council. And that's an but, interesting
0: point because one of the things I looked at this, and and I was I was looking forward to getting a chance to talk with you because I thought there was there was a lot of discussion about, you know, don't do this to District One, and he's he was representing us, and he's we we whatever happened on that day, well, we we don't we don't want to be denied, you know, the full representation. And and I looked at this and I wasn't really sure how they would be denied. I mean, this this was really more of a statement that we we uh, condemn your you know how you conducted yourself, and we want to make the statement that this is something we don't accept. But in, is he going to be limited in any way going forward as far as representing District One?
2: Not because of the sh- the censure specifically, and is. City Attorney Andy Segovia tried to remind many of the public commenters, um, you know, it's not related to the, the censure, but the mayor has um, still removed Bravo from council committees. Will he so still it, be off of those committees? It's it's yet to be determined. Okay. We're waiting to hear from the mayor um, how they might move forward with that. I think the mayor's office is, is sensitive to the fact that you know, there are district one residents who don't have a maybe a full voice on council committees and in that way now. So um, I think the mayor's office, we're still waiting to hear from them on the council committee appointments. And
0: I know it's early uh, to ask this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, the, now that we've gotten the midterms out of the way, we're going to start, I think, paying a lot more attention to the upcoming council races, which uh, we're, I guess, a little bit less than six months away from from those elections. Um, is the. I think Mario Bravo's situation is is uh, murkier, murkier than Clayton Perry. I think Clayton Perry, Clayton Perry will have a very difficult time staying on the city council, and uh, and uh, I, I have I really can't see how that that would work. With Mario Bravo, um, my my assumption is that he will run again, and and uh, he will I think he will have support, and there will be people supporting him in, on uh, in the district. Are you hearing anything about uh, people challenging him? I'm guessing that because of what's happened, there might be a little bit more of a of an interest uh, among other potential candidates.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He has one official re-election challenger so far, an educational consultant. Um, she's the only one to formally announce. Um, mm-hmm. There are other people who are considering the seat Thinking and, and have not formally or publicly announced. I think there are people who are working it out uh, among themselves still. Um, so, you know, but there could be some more political heavyweights who be- become interested in the District 1 seat. Um, because of, you know, w- what's happened with Bravo. And it's a,
0: it's a really appealing, I mean, this is a, a, a district uh, that's kind of based in, in in the downtown area. We've had some some people who've gone on, you know, Diego Bernal. Uh, uh, more recently, we've had some people who've, who've had that seat and gone on to success. So it's definitely a very attractive city council uh, seat. Before we wrap things up, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the midterms follow-up on what we talked about last week. It's a little clearer uh, than it was last week what the results are going to be. Um, I think the, uh, the red wave, the red tsunami that was predicted did not happen, uh, we're, we're probably looking at, at Republicans gaining somewhere uh, maybe in the range of five to seven seats, something like that maybe in the, te- in the US House and uh, have a pretty good chance of, of gaining a slim majority but nothing close to what um, they anticipated. Uh, Democrats have held on to the US Senate and have the chance to gain a seat if, uh, if Raphael Warnock wins the, um, the runoff in Georgia uh democrats done pretty well in governor's races um and i think what's really telling um and i think here you, you alluded to this is that you know that the people really in charge of elections in these in these swing states um uh, you know arizona and new mexico and uh, uh, nevada colorado uh, michigan the, the the in these secretary of state races you've had democrats against republican election deniers um and the Democrats have been have been consistently winning those races. So um, you wrote a great column over the weekend talking about what this election meant. What, what do you think the, the voters there? There are a lot of th- different things going on in any mm-hmm. election cycle. But what do you think voters were were expressing?
1: I think first thing off the bat is that uh, we learned that you cannot pay attention to to polls to posters and you and more importantly, you can't pay attention to the narrative that our profession media
3: Mm-hmm. Tries
1: to create out of these these polls because there's actually there's a lot of polls which which if you looked at them and, and 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 analysts where you could see that the red wave wasn't going to materialize, but the we re- the reason so many of us I don't care what your party is because there are a lot of I mean the reason why so much of what happened on Tuesday happened was because you have a lot of Republicans who who could not stomach this anymore, who have been some of the more trenchant critics of of, of, of Trump and Trumpism. Uh, people listen, so like the issues that, that that we were saying mattered five months ago, they still mattered. It, you know, overturning role mattered. Um, the insurrection mattered. A local congressman told us that people weren't paying attention to the January 6th committees, but they were, and, and, and they mattered. And we were all feeling this angst because we were afraid with legitimate fear of of losing democracy, because if if all these election deniers had had won their elections uh, across the, the country, if uh, if the red tsunami had materialized, then we're looking at a 2024 where it could conceivably be our last election. And this is not hyperbole, but democracy matters, and it, it uh, and voting matters. And voting counts, and as long as you wait to make sure that every vote counts, things like this can happen. I think what's one of the things we also have to pay attention to is, despite all— and I was one of the folks who was very much afraid of, of Election Day violence, of what was going to happen at the polls. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. Uh, a lot of these election deniers, the, the guy that was running for governor in in, in, in Pennsylvania, yeah. they've conceded the race. Even in, in in Arizona, and Lake is going to probably lose, but I don't I don't think she's going to I don't think she's going to have the stomach to deny what when you don't have the most powerful person in the country with the biggest megaphone, stoking people mm-hmm. into violence, people act like they've always acted during elections.
0: Yeah, and and uh, I was glad you mentioned the the lake. Uh uh, race in, in Arizona, which is very close. We're gonna we'll get be getting a a, a big drop of of uh, votes uh, later today, and I think today is gonna. I think by the end of, of today, meaning Monday, uh, I think we're gonna know uh, how that how that race turned out. But it's really remarkable to me. And we talked a little bit about that election last week because. In Kerry Lake, you have someone who was uh, a, a, an anchor person on, on on Phoenix TV for years. Very good on TV, very comfortable, very confident on TV. Katie Hobbs is not someone who's really comfortable in front of the media. Katie Hobbs was, you know, in her campaign at her campaign events was, you know, we had like these really small crowds. Kerry Lake was had huge crowd. She had Donald Trump coming and supporting her. He, he, he's very enthusiastic supporter of hers, um, and. Katie Hobbs also resisted uh, a debate, which she got criticized for, and I I thought that was a mistake. I thought I, th- I thought I I feel I I believe in debates with all their flaws. That this is something that that it's it's helpful to voters, and she but she decided not to do it, and um, she's in position where she has a very good chance of winning this race, and I I think. I, I think of it almost as like the rope-a-dope strategy. I mean, she just basically said, I'm just gonna sit back and you talk, and you go out there, and, and, and Carrie Lake had an event just four days before the election, where she's asking, she's uh, tearing down John McCain, who was, a. a you know Republican presidential nominee was is one of the legendary figures in Arizona politics and she's saying uh, Basically saying we're, we're done with that that McCain machine and she said are there any McCain supporters in here get the hell out um, I don't see how that's a winning strategy <laughs> if she loses and it's gonna be if she does it's gonna be very very close yeah. And I think telling McCain Republicans in Arizona get the hell out. I don't want you. You're not part of my coalition that's just, that's so self destructive. And I think Katie Hobbs, to a great degree, just said, you just keep talking, do your thing.
3: She attacked the media as well, of course. And it's like, come on, used to be on TV, right? Used to be media. You still are in so many ways. Yeah. Um, but, you know, attacking the media. And did you watch the Saturday Night Live? Did you all catch that? I did. Hilarious, but so true. But you know how she just kept flip flopping between, you know, if she was winning, if she was up, then she's like, "Oh yeah, you know, the um, the voting is accurate and our elections are safe." But if she was losing, oh no, no, is <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The system's totally broken, and yeah. she just kept flip flopping. Right. It was very well done. Yeah.
0: So um, it's you know I think there people the voters uh, can have a, a, a complex mix of thoughts. They can be concerned about inflation. They can uh, you know, they maybe can have questions about how long the U.S. is going to keep funding Ukraine, and then they can also say, "I'm I'm really worried about our democracy and our and our elections, and I'm weighing all these different issues, and I'm I'm making decisions on that basis." And I think that that's, as you said, Kevin McCarthy, who could be the next Speaker of the House, was predicting a year ago that, that they, the Republicans would gain sixty or more seats, and uh, that's not going to happen. So, <clears throat> anyway. Um, We'll wrap it up there. Um, Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Hope everyone's doing well and we'll be back with you next week. Take care.